Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The first few weeks of COVID, I got to say, we could not harvest fast enough to keep up with demand it was just like people were stocking up on food i i think it was just like oh my gosh this is i'm like this is like wow like we can't keep up with it and then i think when things started kind of settling down and people said okay this is gonna go on for a while buying patterns change and we saw a big fall off in, in demand That was Rogelio Ponce Jr. from Sun Valley Farms in the great state of California. Today on the show, Rogelio's going to talk to us about his family farm and really what all he's learned along the way. He's going to tell us why they switched from growing conventional to organic and the whole process of what that looks like, as well as his thoughts on the farmer-consumer relationship. And you know, it's 2020, COVID-19 is still a thing, and the agriculture industry is being impacted by it very differently depending on what state you're in and what country you're in. And Rahelia is going to talk to us today also about how they have been fighting COVID and how they're trying to do produce boxes delivering straight to consumers and how that's kind of helping open new doors for them. So this is, you might already know it, this is the Farm Traveler podcast and I'm your host Trevor Williams. I'm so glad you're here on episode 67. This is a great conversation with Rahelio. Learned a whole lot about Sun Valley Farms, what they're doing, and their whole philosophy behind it. And this is a great episode. I think you're really going to like it. Uh, be sure to check out Rahelio and Sun Valley Farms. You can check the link in this podcast. Check them out on Instagram and their website. Hope you enjoy this episode. Um, and thanks so much for listening. I hope you're all being safe. Okay, enjoy the episode. Okay, bye. All right. Well, Rogelio Ponce Jr., welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. I'm excited to talk with you. How are you doing today? Thank you. Thank you for having us. Pretty excited. All right. So you are with Sun Valley Farms in the beautiful state of California. 
Um, so tell us about kind of your background, how you got started and kind of the kind of the birth of how Sun Valley Farms got started. Sure. Well, we're blessed to be in a great growing area and we're south of uh, San Francisco, about two hours. So our area is kind of recognized as one of the best berry production areas in the world. And so with that, I'm actually a third generation strawberry grower originally. Uh, my grandfather settled in uh, the Santa Cruz County as a sharecropper and made a living with about two to three acres of strawberries. Um, that was like in the late fifties. So then my father learned how to do uh, berry production from that. And from that, he worked with some large uh, berry production companies, uh, learned the trade really well. And in 1999, uh, my father had the itch to begin his own company. So believe it or not, my dad sold our family home and use the money from the sale to begin our business and have the working capital to plant uh, with another partner 25 acres of strawberries which you could probably not do at this day and age unless if you do every single thing yourself um, but there is a partnership and then they started growing little by little and then they went their own separate ways and Thus, Sun Valley Berries was formed, and now we emulated it into Sun Valley Farms because we did not only berries but vegetables. So that's kind of the long, the long, the gist of the the business, the family business. That's a, that's kind of hitting the ground running there, kind of selling the family house to start the farm. I mean, that's a lot of dedication there. I can imagine. It was, from what I remember, and still conversations that I have with both my mother and father. My mother told my dad, if you're going to do this, do it with while both my brother and I who run the family business are young um, because he what my parents were like, they need to go to college and we need to support them. So the deal was, OK, just as long as you can put them through college later with some help, um, then you're good. <laughs> so uh, it did happen. Both my brother and I did go to college and. My dad had some, you know, successful years of, uh, of growing berries conventionally at that time and uh, just kind of just started from there, which was amazing. It sounds like it. Well, well kudos on you guys. Sounds like y'all are a very dedicated and hardworking bunch. That's really cool to hear. Um, all right. Yeah. So, so you guys grow strawberries. I know two of the, um, the most popular strawberry states are California and Florida. I have a lot of friends in Plant City, Florida, which is like the, the winter ca strawberry capital of the world, and they are obsessed with their strawberries. So are strawberries yeah. kind of, are you guys kind of obsessed with strawberries in that area as well of California? Of course. I mean, that was our beginnings of our family business was the trade of, of conventional strawberry growing um, in the, you know, in the, like I said, in the late 50s and through the 80s. And it wasn't until recently, about maybe eight to 10 years ago, that we started um, the conversion of going 100% organic and doing our berries, our vegetables um, organically. So that's where kind of it all, it all started. So we're, we're big advocates, but you know, you got to adapt as well. Oh yeah, I can imagine. All right, so quick question. I just thought about it. Um, one of my college professors told me that strawberries are technically a vegetable because the seeds are on the outside. So as a strawberry expert, what do you have to say about that? Is it true? Is it not? What do you think? Well, I, you're talking to a grower, so I look at it, whether it be a fruit or a vegetable, I kind of see it as like um, almost like whatever you want to call it, 
but it's damn hard to grow. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's, that's yeah. very good. That, that's very good. So, it, it, it's up to you. I, I see it as a berry or as a fruit, right? But, you know, berries, but I understand the technicalities of the seeds being on the outside. Um, but either way, um, Mother Nature has made that beautiful thing one of the most difficult things to grow. So I'll let, I'll let everybody decide what they prefer. How's that? But that, yeah, it's still have a heck of a thing to grow. <laughs> it is. I've tried, I love home gardening and I've tried probably about four or five times to start a strawberry plant, but they always die before they produce. So I cannot get it right. But that reminded me of probably one of my favorite shirts that I've seen. It's, um, knowledge is knowing that strawberry is a vegetable, but wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. So correct. Love that quote. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I'm going to take that one with me. <laughs> do it. Do it. Yeah. yeah. If I find the shirt, I'll send you the link. Or All right. On Sounds like a deal. So you talked about you guys switched to organic. What yes. kind of made you, what made you do that? So I know a lot of people that, especially a lot of farmers that they go to organic because, um, the production systems are kind of a lot better for the environment. And so what was your whole thought mm -hmm. process on switching to organic production? So it was actually the intimacy of becoming closer with individuals that appreciate the organic farming practice. So we came from a history of growing conventionally. Um, when I first started um, in the family business, um, I was sort of reluctant to go into it because I saw how much work went into it. And I mean, it's, you know, it's, you really can't turn it, you really can't turn it off like another job. It stays with you, um, you know, from sun up to sundown. So I had the knowledge of conventional berry production since I was uh, very young of age. And my goal, my goal when I decided to really become 100% vested in the family business was to see how large we can become. And that kind of goes with our history where we were growing approximately 200 acres of conventional uh, strawberries, um, about 25 acres of uh, organic blackberries and conventional raspberries. And this was for a large, uh, a large uh, company we were a contracted grower, so we grew for them exclusively. Um, but honestly, when I when we got to that size, it wasn't what we expected as a family business. It was a lot of work. Obviously, we had quite a bit of employees. Um, not only that, but we started seeing, okay, this is more of like an agro business or more of a like it was almost like a machine, you know, we, we had to grow, we had to, I mean, we still have to watch our pennies, but I think as time went on and, and we matured more and more into the business, um, over time and we felt comfortable to, uh, sell, I mean, to grow, sell and ship independently, the value of people recognizing the work that goes into food production was highly recognized by consumers that, uh, buy organically. So it was more of like an intimate relationship that we saw individuals like, wow, your quality's great. And, you know, if you have one strawberry acre in conventional world where there's a lot of competition, there's a little bit more of a, I would say, value and a little bit more effort that needs to go into organic production. And so we started seeing that consumers really valued that, not only for monetary purposes, but 
you know, they, they have trust in what you do. So it, it, it's about being more intimate with the customer or the buyer as well. That really led us to that because as a grower, that's like the most awesome thing that you can feel is that, um, that enlightenment that people appreciate the extra effort that you uh, grow, um, that you grow and what you grow is organically. So I think that's what really led us into that. Gotcha. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, not only is farming difficult, but farming berries is difficult and farming organic berries, I can imagine is a super, super difficult and scientific process. I mean, did you guys have a lot of growing pains when y'all were first kind of switching over to organic? Yes. Um, the first crop that we grew organically was organic blackberries. Um, and we chose that specifically because they took a while to grow. Um, you know, you plant them, you have to wait for them to develop and mature before you get your first crop. So we chose those specifically in order to kind of go through the growing pains. Um, I mean, we, we sought advice, technical assistance, wherever we could, I mean, just to do things right. But you know, I mean, mother nature is probably one of the most unforgiving. You can do everything perfectly and if there's a weather issue or a pest issue or a disease issue or, you know, even most recently labor issues now too. Um, you know, even if you do everything right, the risk is pretty high in particular because you might be limited to some, uh, to some practices in organic production that you maybe could do in conventional. So definitely there was a lot of growing pains. Um, but as we got better at it, um, you know, I think that that relationship that we fostered with people just outweighed, outweighed that part of um, the risk. Right. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So what exactly does the growing process look like? I mean, like, are, are these berry plants annuals? And if they are, like, when do you plant them and how long is it until you can kind of harvest them? Sure. So on the strawberries, um, they are annuals. We'll plant them in probably late October, maybe early November, just depending on when plant availability. They'll grow over the winter in our particular region up until maybe about um, mid-April or so, so uh, weather depending. And we'll probably start our full-on harvest maybe by the end of April or May. So it takes that long winter months to really establish a root system and just get the plant to the size that we need in order to be able to produce, um, you know, a, a good amount whether it's organically or conventionally we have to just establish the plant um you know we've done some crazy things like we did this year we did a summer planting so we didn't plant them till this spring um you know and they're barely starting off um, a little bit risky in our area just because of the weather and because it's warmer the thought too is that maybe the roots don't get as established well or deep roots um, so far, you know, maybe I'll talk to you that I'll, I'll talk to you maybe in December and if I'm smiling, then it was a good thing. And if not, then, you know, I'll probably be like, mm, lesson learned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so that's, those are strawberries. And then, um, we do organic raspberries as well. Those get planted typically also in late fall, December. Um, our first crop, we had a planting that we did last fall or December, um, we'll have our first fall crop, which is probably going to start in about two to three weeks or so. Um, so again, it gets, you know, the, it, the plant develops over the winter, establish the root system, get the appropriate size plant in order to bear fruit. 
Um, so that's, um, you know, that's on the raspberry side as well. And, uh, and vegetables, we're, we're very blessed. I mean, we have a very mild climate. Um, we grow under, um, some people call them um, hoop houses. Some people call them greenhouses. We call them hoop houses because they're typically not a permanent greenhouse, but we grow through them through the winter um, with vegetable production. So we're like 365 all year round, which is pretty awesome, I have to say. And uh, our employees love it because it's, it's year-round work. It's not seasonal like it used to be. Um, and it keeps local food production going to our local buyers, which they love. You know, it doesn't come in from Mexico or from Arizona. You know, we, they, they can count on our product, you know, pretty much 365. Um, of course, there's those weeks in December where we need a little vacay. But, um, but you know, and it gets really cold. But overall, we've had some success the last few years uh, growing year-round the vegetables. So kind of takes you through strawberries raspberries and vegetables that's a pretty unique situation to be in i know a few parts of florida are kind of like that where they can grow 365 um but i mean it, it's so great for you guys because not only do you get to employ people the whole year but you also get to supply fresh produce to your customers all year long and you don't have a very long dormant season so that's awesome yeah that and that's actually one of the reasons why we became or we decided to grow uh, our business organically and independently because we were able to establish the customer base that wanted local product and wanted local production year round. And it was a win-win because uh, buyers wanted our product, but also our employees wanted um, year round work. So before, you know, there's, if, if you're growing for someone, maybe it's under a contract you know, they, they, they typically maybe grow in our area in the summer and maybe in the winter they grow in the desert or in Mexico. And so buyers shift, you know, buyers shift. So their, their shipping points may be there versus here in our area. So it's a little hard, but now that we do it independently, it's a win-win because we're able to provide local food production and our workers as well have year-round work, um, which is big nowadays. Um, so that that that's a big, big deciding factor and also what we did and why we did it. I bet it is. So you brought up something earlier, um, and that's kind of the labor and also the labor issues going on with, with berry production and just agriculture in general. And I'm sure that berry picking is a very labor-intensive job. I mean, it's not like um, like Orange Grove or like with some like almond nuts or something where they have like a machine that like that kind of like attaches to the tree, shakes all all of it off. So, I mean, how labor-intensive is it, and what are some kind of issues that you experience with picking berries? It is by far the most labor-intensive crop. Um, every single strawberry or raspberry that we harvest is still hand harvested. Every single berry is selected for ripeness, overripeness, um, for any issues by the harvester. Um, so it's an art and a science all in one. Um, and I can't give kudos enough to our I don't even want to call them employees. I, I, I want to say, you know, our teammates or, or our family, because they are one of the reasons why we've been able to shift from growing um, as a contract grower to now independently, because our, our teammates are also 
vested in what we're doing. They realize that our company wants to grow organically, independently, and grow so we could provide year-round jobs and better opportunities for everyone. And so that is the basis of where we also ask individuals if they see, you know, if they see a future. It's just not about harvesting. There's a future here, you know. Um, it's just not agriculture that they too will benefit. It's a, it's got to be a win-win. Um, but the the labor intensity, it's always been seasonal. Uh, it goes from super high need labor demand to then it goes down. And so we're at the whim of the crop. Um, I mean, if you leave a strawberry on the plant, it's going to go bad. It has to be harvested. Um, so it's, it's not like we can turn it off or wait for it. Um, you know, I can wait for kale, you know, a few days, or I can wait for beets or we can wait for radishes. Those items are a little bit more forgiving, but, uh, strawberries, man, I joke around with people. It's like, if you look at them the wrong way, or if you even say water in the summer to them, they're going to just, <laughs> they're going to, they're, they're going to just melt, <laughs> you know? Um, so it's really labor intensive because you've got to get them off, you know, you've got to get them off the plant, um, whether it's, uh, raspberries or blackberries or, uh, you know, or, um, blackberries, you know, the, the, the three main berries. Um, so yeah, very labor intensive. I can, it sounds like it. Do you think there's ever going to be like some sort of technology or some sort of mechanism that might, I don't know, alleviate the labor issues, like some sort of robot or something. I, I, I think I've seen a couple of like small um, tech firms that are trying to make like those robot arms where they like pick a berry or something. So what do you think the future of that's going to look like? So I'm totally pumped about technology and making um, labor e actually making the labor easier for the individuals that um, that are our teammates. Um, I my goal my my in my dream I would say we we that would that's awesome. It'll probably take a little while to trickle down to like small to medium growers like ourselves. Um, the technology just, you know, just like computers, it starts expensive and then there's a trickle down. What I'm really hoping is that there's an assistance or a way that's developed to create more, to create it easier for our labor force to do their job. So then they in turn can make more money. Um, so if there was an assistance, you know, we've tried things like, um, it's basically a huge table. Uh, it 10, 12 people walk behind it. It has a little motor. And instead of walking in and out of the furrow and strawberries, they place that on the table. So, you know, time for them is money and the efficiency is important. So that table is like a walking table and they place their strawberry boxes on that. And when they get to the end of the row, we take count. And I mean, they can get like, Wow. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, it's, um, you know, I want to say if there's an average harvester that does maybe 60 to 80 boxes, he can get up to like 150 boxes a day, you know? So, I mean, there's, and so I wouldn't eliminate the labor. I would just want to provide it. So then they in turn can do better. And then, you know, um, it's a, it'd be a win-win right there again. That's a big term that I use a lot of the times. Um, so I, I would hope there's, um, harvesting 
um, assistance machinery that could make labor easier. Because I think we're always going to need that harvester with that trained eye to make the final decision. Um, I wouldn't mind a robot. I'm not going to lie to you, but <laughs> it's yeah. going to take me a It's going to take a lot of time and effort and a programmer to be able to run it. So, you know, um, so that's, we'll get there. I think it's going to be a while, but for now, I think the first step in the right direction is like mechanization for assistance for our labor force. So they can in turn also, have their job be easier and also make more money. Right. That's a pretty good viewpoint. You're it, not to use technology to replace the jobs, but to assist those jobs right now to make it easier for the laborers picking the berries and all that stuff. That's a very good view, yeah. viewpoint. I like yeah. that. So, um, all right. So it, I'm, I mean, you're good. Go ahead. Oh, no, say, I, it's just being a big advocate for, our, you know, our teammates and, and the current labor force is, is something that I'm, I'm very adamant about, you know, um, there, there are, they are the secret to, they are the secret to food production. <laughs> oh, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Gets overlooked, you know, so definitely. Yeah. That, that's a very good viewpoint. All right. So, um, COVID-19 is still going on. It's impacting everybody. I know it's been impacting different sectors in the ag industry a lot. So, What's it been like for you guys? I mean, what kind of struggles have you had? I mean, how has it really impacted Sun Valley Farms? Sure. Well, it's sort of, I mean, it's one of those things where I think it's sort of like our, I would say, like everybody, I would say, you know, there's days where you hear positive things and there's days where you hear things shifting. And that's sort of how this year's uh, season has been. It's been a little bit of a, I don't want to say unsettling, but it's been challenging and and what is the normality is not, you know, we usually have a really strong linear production, you know, and, and buyers follow that because, you know, summer people go out, they, they buy, they, they like to go on picnics, you know, there's restaurants are open, people are out. So for us in particular, we did see a drop in, um, in like, let's say uh, food service, uh, you know, just restaurants. Um, our main buyer was able to sort of shift a little bit more into, um, I would say like retail. The first few weeks of COVID, I got to say, we could not harvest fast enough to keep up with demand. It was just like people were stocking up on food. I, I think it was just like, oh my gosh, this is, I'm like, this is like, wow, like we can't keep up with it. And then I think when things started kind of settling down and people said, okay, this is going to go on for a while, buying patterns change and we saw a big fall off in, in demand. And when I mean demand, it's just natural, right? People are not going out as much, um, you know, amusement parks, restaurants. So um, we did see a decline in, in some, um, in some of the demand that was there, you know, luckily, um, you know, we, we were able to shift a little bit to more wholesale and more retail, but there's still, I, I can't share an exact percentage. I would say maybe taking a while, you know, right off the cuff, maybe a 20 to 30% difference in, you know, what we're seeing, um, you know, it's not bad, but it is big when summer is when you make your money to, you know, pay for bills and winter, you know, winter money. So it, it does add up. So it's just uh, like everything else. It's a little 
I would say not business as usual, adapting. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just a little, not I want different. <laughs> yeah, know, definitely different. You know, yeah. It's definitely different, you know, for everybody. And, and, and we're right there with everybody else, you know, and your guess is as good as mine, you know, are we in the second wave, how that's going to affect, you know, um, you know, production demand. I, I just got an email today saying that, you know, cilantro was big and then now cilantro is kind of slowing down again because, you know, pe people are, are, are hearing, okay, there's a second wave. So, um, we are, we are only as good in demand as, uh, as buyers are willing to purchase, you know? So, um, we got to just ride the wave. Um, and I, I'm just happy that we're just not solely anymore in strawberry or raspberry production, but we also do vegetables. Otherwise I think it would be a lot, lot scarier for us because we see a lot of individuals going to like broccolis and cucumbers and zucchini some basic items you know more not the you know some of the specialty stuff that we've done before it's okay let's let's keep it simple right now you know yeah no that's smart i mean it seems like you guys have a diverse enough situation where you don't have to worry about if people don't want strawberries and you're going to go under and i've been doing a lot of research because I think the first couple of weeks that COVID was happening, like you said, people were buying produce, they were stocking up their fridges and their um, pantries. And I was trying to learn, like, of course, people know you can freeze berries. I mean, for berries and smoothies or whatever, but I didn't know that you can also freeze vegetables. You just got to blanch them first and you have all these cooking techniques. So have you guys been trying to kind of educate consumers on various ways that they, that they can kind of keep vegetables in their homes longer than like their normal shelf life? Have you been doing anything like, like kind of around that? Well, our, our actually our, one of our main buyers, um, they've been really promoting on like, you know, it's like, okay, like berries, you know, you can freeze them or you can make jam, you know, and you know, right now people have a little bit more time at home. So, <laughs> you know, they can cook a little bit more, right? So you can actually enjoy the fruits of your hard effort to make jam, you know? So, but yeah, there again, I mean, just like an example beets, you know, you can blanch them you can grill them, you can freeze them. So, you know, that's like one of my favorite example, like beets. So definitely. And that actually leads us directly into one of the things that we did was we started doing a local. So a lot of our produce goes to the Bay area, San Francisco Bay in particular. Um, but we also have a couple of local retail customers that really promote our produce and our berries. And so even with that, we started promoting a contactless pickup of our of a produce box. So individuals didn't have to go out, you know, to a supermarket. They could just come up to our cooling facility, honk, we'll come out. We had an employee, you know, face mask, you know, contactless pickup. Just open up your trunk and we'll place the box in there and it's safe. You can pay online. So that's an, an, an adaptation of how COVID kind of changed things for us. Um, we had like a basic website before, you know, just to say, Hey, look, visit our website. This is who we are. Um, this year we developed it a little bit more so you could actually go online, place an order for a particular product or just a pre-made box. That way you can directly go and, you know, pick up your produce and not have to stand in a long line at, you know, a grocery store, what have you. So, um, you know, and with that, you know, it's like, 
um, individuals been, it's been great because locally, you know, people are like, thank you. You know, this is a great alternative. So we have been trying to educate, maybe we can do a better job of promoting some other, you know, materials like, okay, let's, let's freeze some of these things for future use. I think right now we're all sort of like thinking, oh, it's summer and there's produce still available. Um, so I think maybe in, in going into winter, that might change a little bit. Um, so definitely, but actually thank you for that. I think we're going to use that to maybe share that with some of our buyers and some of our direct customers as well. That's awesome to hear. And I've seen so many stories like all of our Facebook where farmers are selling direct to consumers like your, your produce boxes. And it's great because it's, it's cutting, cutting out the middleman and um, consumers can go directly to a farm and buy their produce and see how it's made. And so that's such a cool idea. And do you think you guys are going to continue that if, or hopefully once COVID kind of dies down, do you think that's something that you'll kind of keep as part of your repertoire? You know, it's, I think we're going to see where it goes because we have been getting quite a bit of requests to actually ship product. Um, I have a friend who uh, is in Florida and he's like, Hey, can you send me a box? I'm like, well, I can send you a box, but the shipping's probably going to be a little bit on the expensive <laughs> side. You know, <laughs> He's yeah. a friend. So he's probably willing to say, Hey, you know what? Don't worry about it. But we've had requests from Florida, from Washington, from LA. Um, so, you know, it's sort of like, wow, um, that, that is really like nice to, nice to feel as a grower, you know, and that people value, you know, the, the effort in our organic production in our, in our, in our quality as well. So I think we're going to keep developing it and see where it goes. Um, my mother, uh, for about a couple years, uh, where we're at at our cooling facility, she wanted me to get her a, a you know, like a, a, a glass refrigerator, like a flower refrigerator, you know, a display fridge. So when people walk into the office, they could just go in and pick up a box of berries or produce. And this year I bought her one for Mother's Day. It was a used one, cleaned it up. And, you know, <laughs> nice. but then it's like, okay, we need to shut down because of, you know, the social distancing and what have you. So um, she's still really excited about it. Um, and it's actually a perfect place to put the boxes while we're waiting for individuals to come and do the pickup. Right. So we're going to see where, where that goes, you know, that may be something that, um, that stays, um, you know, and if it does, um, I'm going to, you know, I'll, maybe we'll send a box over your way and just say, Hey, Rogelio, the, it's shipped good, good quality or, you know, so we're definitely open to it. Definitely open to keep I it bet. That's good. Well, that's good to hear. Well, I mean, I will always be open to get one. I mean, that's such a good idea. And I'm glad that that gift for your mom worked out. That's kind of a two for work for her, work <laughs> yeah. for your business. So there you go. Win-win, yeah. right? Yep. <laughs> so, all right. So all things COVID aside, um, what do you think about the farmer consumer relationship? I think consumers are wanting to learn more and more about where their food comes from. And they're kind of going to social media to kind of see what's happening. And conversely, Farmers are also going to social media like you guys and kind of showcasing what goes on. So what do you think that relationship looks like? Do you think it's getting better? Do you think both sides still have a lot to work on? What do you think? I really think that the consumer or the buyer or, um, you know, or the individual um, is much more educated than when I started out farming, which was, you know, 15 years ago. Um, so, I mean, Obviously, there's a lot of information available, 
um, you know, on the web um, to learn about food production. Um, the one caveat with that would be it's not all true. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense or not. No, that does make um, a lot. It, Absolutely. I mean, I want to say I have some individuals farming organically is just as hard as farming in general is hard and farming organically or, and conventionally is hard is both hard. Both are not like, uh, are both are not like this sexy, like, you know, like we're in the ground. I'm in like, you know, my overalls, like just, you know, just with the, you know, with the little trowel, you know, uh, tending to a garden. Right. So yeah, I would say that part, I mean, there's a big portion that's very scientifically driven. And I would say it's like, um, it doesn't matter what type of production, uh, growing system you have. Of course it, it of course, what I'm going to say is it has to, it's, this is applies for outdoors, not for indoors uh, controlled environment, but you have weather you have diseases, you have pests, and you have labor. And anytime, if you put, you know, 26,000 plants of kale in one particular area, usually it doesn't matter if it's conventional or organically. If you get one that gets a bug on it, most likely by the end of the week, you better start checking the rest of those plants because it's like a little community. It's just like COVID. It's just that one starts it and then it just grows from there. So we need to um, take care of our crops, right? So um, it's, that's the area where it's like decisions need to be made, watering, what we're going to do, when we're going to harvest. So it's, it's pretty challenging, I would say. And that's the part where... I want personally to educate individuals and also the how important the the harvest takes place and the workers that work with us or our teammates, as I say, take place. Um, you know, it's like I have a planting of lessonado kale right now. I couldn't take a picture of it if you asked me to because it's so holy because of bugs. It it's just like, guys, it is even worth it at this point. And we got to make a decision. So it, 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 it's not a, the information is there. I think it's a good starting point, but um, as well, there's this whole other side that it's like the farmer has to make that tough decision sometimes where it's just very difficult um, to still combat mother nature, combat diseases, combat pests. So, um, you know, I don't know if that is kind of, that, that that's my take anyways on it you know it's still very challenging and that doesn't get seen in the cool picture in a facebook or in you know an instagram you know so sloshing in the mud in the winter you know <laughs> trying to get oh, yeah. the dino kale out <laughs> so, you know so um but it's fun I, I that's why i do it though because i see we produce something and it's nice to get it in people's hands though so but yeah, definitely. That's where I, I really want to share and, and advocate for um, people understanding the, the, the challenges in, in growing food and the food production that we're currently in. That, that's a good point. And I think that's very important because like a lot of people see the success in agriculture and in farming, but they don't see the failures. And I mean, 
I'd assume that a lot of consumers that if they see a farmer failing, they think that farmer has no idea what's going on or how to farm. Mm -hmm. But I mean, failure is just a part of the process. You're going to lose some crops. You're going to have pests. You're going to have a lot of problems and it's just kind of part of the business. I mean, sometimes it's going to win. Sometimes it's going to fail. Sometimes it's going to be a super rainy season. That's going to ruin your crop. And sometimes it's going to be a drought. That's not going to help your crop at all. So, I mean, there are pluses and minuses, and I think that's a good idea that kind of farmers need to show the good and the bad with what's going on. So that's a very good viewpoint. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, I mean, a, a, I would say a, a good farmer, like I'm still learning, right? But like a good farmer, like my father, I mean, he's been doing it forever. Uh, 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 I, and this is just my particular viewpoint, but a good farmer is someone who can learn from mistakes and adapt. And if all else fails, then I bet you, then it's just not yourself. Then it's going to, you know, like if it's a weather and it was your whole entire, if it's you, your neighbor, I mean, if it rained on you and, you know, it's the area that you grow in, there's sometimes things that you really can't avoid. And that's not something that doesn't matter how good of a farmer you are, you're just not gonna be able to get past it. And, but there's those things where you can't, can't ignore mistakes. You have to adapt. You have to be really humble too to learn from your snakes and, and be able to say this work or didn't work. Um, I think personally, that's a good farmer. You know, I'm still learning. I'm stubborn sometimes, but you know, it's like after a, a time or two, it's like, all right, buddy, you better get it, <laughs> yeah. you know? So, um, and, and honestly, poker face, <laughs> it's hard sometimes, you know, it's hard sometimes and you got to just, grit it out. It's not easy, you know, and, and that's why I want to, you know, that's why I was really um, stoked about talking with you because I'm a big advocate about, you know, food production and educating individuals of, you know, um, a lot of things have changed. There's a lot of technology out there that's disposable, um, but we make simple decisions. Sometimes it's like, are we going to water or not? Are we going to do this or not? You know, so it's complex, but it's simple at the same time. It's, so it's, it's an art form and it, it's art and science all together in one. Yeah, it, it might seem simple at the, like the thousand yard view, but when you get down to it, it's, you've, got a lot of, you've got to make a lot of complicated decisions that could impact your business or the plants down the road and you just never know it's going to work. What, what worked one season might not work the next yeah. spring season, so you never know. Yep, yep. And that's the beauty of it. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Never know and what's going to happen. the challenge of it. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> All right. Well, Rogelio, this has been such a cool talk with you, talking awesome. about Sun Valley Farms and your farm. So you guys are on Instagram, Facebook. If people want to see um, your operation, where can they go to kind of follow you guys and check on, see what you're doing? Sure. So you can follow us on Instagram or on Facebook, or you can go directly to our website too. We have a website. It's www um svbfarms.com or you can just also look for us on instagram on s uh svf uh underscore farms and uh we'll be right there with you we'd love to share our story um my nephew this year he's been doing a great job of you know posting pictures and what our production looks like this year um it's been a big help um like i said we're a small, medium-sized business um, that tries to do a top-notch quality, you know, and a really great job of uh, top-notch quality. Um, and, you know, our, myself and my family members are very involved in the community locally in Santa Cruz County. Um, so we're a bit advocates for 
food production, um, for our teammates that work with us and empowering people. Um, so there's a, that, that's a big part that I think, um, maybe I didn't touch on, but we're big advocates of that. And that's probably one of the the reasons why we've been blessed to be in business for 20 plus years now, 21 or so years independent, you know, uh, 20 years or so. And so it's gotten us through thick, uh, tough times and good times with individuals sticking by our side. Um, so come visit us. Um, if you have any questions, we'd be happy to feel them. And um, yeah, and you know, like all I can say is we are farming and we're farming to produce the best quality um, possible product, but we're also growing and our motto is to produce the best quality product and the best environment for our teammates. Um, so big advocates of that. So learn a little bit more about us. We do care. You know, we also care very greatly about our community and our teammates. So yeah, visit us online, learn a little bit more about us. Um, we hope to keep growing. You know, we've, we've grown the last couple of years, um, you know, and it's been great. So hopefully we can continue that. There's blips in the road like COVID, obviously, but you know there's light at the end of the tunnel. Let's stay positive and uh, let's keep educating ourselves and, and working together. Absolutely, love it, man. Yeah, you guys' Instagram game have been has been really good lately. I mean, you've got a lot of really good content out there showing showing what you're doing on the farm. So those, that's a really good channel to follow you guys at. And I'll link everything to, in the description of this podcast and. Well, man, Rahili, if I'm ever in California and COVID's not a thing, I will hit you guys up and come visit y'all around Santa Cruz. I'd love to see what you guys are doing. Yeah, I'd be happy to have you. I'd be awesome. No, just let's let's do that. You know, we'll make a plan. You can stop by. We can give you a tour, and uh, let's do it. We we got it. Let's do it. It's yeah, positivity, and let's look forward because there's deal. Yep. Sounds good. Sounds like a plan, man. All right. Well, again, best of luck. And if you ever are doing the produce boxes too, I will order one from Florida and I will support you guys. So, all right. Well, Rahelio, thanks again, man. Best of luck. And I hope you guys continue to kind of throw COVID a new one and kind of fight the system. So good on you guys. Thank you. Likewise. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm.